Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Be A Bigger Fish. This is the podcast that explores the power of podcasting to grow your business or your community. I'm Debbie Aurelius, I'm the host of Be A Bigger Fish. this episode, I was fortunate enough to be introduced to Rob Warlow. Rob publishes a weekly finance bulletin as both a video and a podcast, so I was interested to find out how that works. Rob tells us why consistency is really important and how helpful it is to have content that can act as a trigger for clients and customers to open a conversation with you. Now, luckily, Rob was geographically close enough for us to record this as a face-to-face episode, which is quite exciting for Be A Bigger Fish. So let's hear about Rob's podcasting experiences and advice. This is a really special episode of Be A Bigger Fish, and I'm delighted to welcome Rob Warlow, not just to the podcast, but to the Peppermint Fish Studio. So welcome, Rob. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Yeah, it's a real thrill to have somebody to speak to in person. I know. Yeah, it's great to see the whole setup. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Okay, well, lovely to welcome you here. Mm. Um, Rob is the owner of a South Wales-based business called Business Loan Services, and he's also a podcaster. So I'll be asking him to tell us all about how he got into podcasting in a second. Rob, would you like to introduce yourself and say a little bit about your business? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Rob Warlow, as I said, I run a business called Business Loan Services. So um, we arrange finance for businesses from a sins and ex-banker who kind of saw the light many years ago and uh, yeah so about nine years ago um, launched um, a commercial finance brokerage so yeah we help business owners raise finance and uh, deal with banks primarily in the South Wales area but um, we've got clients all across the UK as well so that's kind of the, the core of the business. I bet that keeps you busy it does, yeah, it does. Especially, we operate a very small client base, so we have four or five clients each. I've got three other people in the business as well. So uh, we're trying to replace that gap where business owners don't have bank managers anymore. So we kind of replace that role. Oh, I see, so, yeah, yeah, I get it. Mm. Yeah. So finance and podcasting are quite different. What mm. attracted you to creating digital content? Uh, I guess it was really just a way of standing out. I mean, over the years, um, when I was doing traditional banking, I always found out that running seminars and workshops for the various organizations I worked for was always a great way of um, finding new clients in a way of getting the message out. So I was doing that for many, many years. And um, yeah, it just seemed to be a logical leap. Um, part of my, my backstory, I spent 10 years in Africa in banking. Did a couple of years in Uganda, Kenya, Mauritius. So it was 10 years away from the UK. And when I came back uh, beginning of 2010, when I set up the business, uh, I was a classic case of how not to do a startup. Because I came away from Africa after being away 10 years. Now, most people, when they drop out of kind of corporate life, the last thing they're doing for the couple of weeks before they leave is frantically finding every business card they can find, downloading every Excel with contacts. Yeah. I had none of that because I'd been away so long. And so essentially, I started... It's the 4th of January 2010. Right. Sat at the kitchen table, goes, Right, I'm in business. I've got all this knowledge. The only thing I need are clients. Yeah. So, right. So, how can I do that? I uh, didn't have a network to leverage as such, um, but you know, went to the, every networking event I could do. But one thing that I had for me was obviously industry knowledge, the how to. 
that right, what's the best way of getting that knowledge out there in order to build a client base is to do more seminars and workshops. So developed um, doing these seminars and workshops and it just seemed a natural extension then after a couple of years to say, okay, there's knowledge there that needs capturing. Let's do it in a different format. And that's really then where the videos started. Right, okay. So um, so what I started doing was filming myself on the seminars. Oh, yeah. And then extracting small bite-sized uh, clips from that and putting it up on a YouTube channel. And so uh, yeah, got quite a, I had quite a few on there at that stage. And then I just started absorbing this really around 2012, 2013, something like that. Just started noticing there was more activity in the digital space, people getting messages yeah. out. And I thought, okay, that's what I need to be up in my game a little bit on this. And the one thing that really came out was about consistency. Okay, yeah. Because I was placing odd clips here and there. I thought, perhaps it needs something more than that. Mm -hmm. It's something that consistently comes out same time, same day, every week. And that's where the idea then of the business finance bulletin really came out. I see. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So did you make a conscious shift then in the type of content you were capturing for the bulletin? Yeah. I wanted the bulletin to be more real time. Okay. Um, so I still continue posting a, a occasional bite-sized tips about raising finance and on how to get banks on board, etc. But the bulletin then is really just based around right, what's happening this week okay. and news surveys, um, all around raising finance. So looking at uh, new products being launched, um, new funds being launched that business owners would be interested in. So target audience is very much small businesses to try and educate them better as to what the options are out there. Because when I started doing this in 2012, 2013, it was still very much still lagging behind as regards to the credit crunch, not many providers yeah, out right. there, lack yeah. of awareness generally. And so that was really the real purpose of the bulletin was to try and raise awareness um, so yeah, so that's really how it started and it's still to this day features about usually three, three news pieces in every episode. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's the YouTube video mm. bulletin. Yeah. So did you start repurposing that content straight away or did you run it just as YouTube no, for a while? No, no. As I say, it was really just video only, um, that I started doing. And then I, I found myself in the car, obviously as my job, just traveling around, listening more and more to podcasts. Yeah. And I thought, hang on a second, I'm missing a trick here. And reading that this idea of repositioning content, you know, taking a, a script, putting it into, into a video and then recording the video, putting it onto YouTube, blah, blah, blah. I thought, hang on a second, I'm listening to podcasts here. Surely I need to be doing something. But being a technophobe, um, I never went as far as doing it properly, which no doubt will come on to later. And then I, I can't remember how or where I heard about the idea of just ripping the audio off from the, from the video. So taking exactly the same content, but just having the audio version of it. Yeah. And um, so it would be about two, three years ago, probably I started doing that. So I wouldn't say it's a true podcast in, in the true sense of the word, perhaps, but it was just taking the same piece of content and just do it in a different way. Because obviously people absorb content in, in different formats. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you've got the people who like to watch it. And then, of course, the people who like to listen. And that's really, that was the purpose, to give people choice. Yeah, I think that's a genius idea because it's so efficient to just have to capture it once mm. but repurpose it, like you say, for different channels. And do you find that you get different audiences from the video versus the podcast or are they sometimes the same people who absorb it? Twice? I can't track it that way. Um, so I don't know. But I'm, yeah, the audience is definitely going to be different. Um, yeah, you are going to have the, the commuters 
you know, people say the average commute these days is about 35 to 40 minutes, yeah. um, which I think links into a podcast typically that length, as right. it, it really fits the commuter time. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm sure the audience certainly is different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you actually strip the audio off your video? Is that a difficult process? No, as I said, I am a technophobe. It took me a long time to even get into the uh, into the YouTube side of things, even though like I'm a confident speaker, I present well, it was always the technical side that stopped me. And I guess it's the same for everybody. I look back now after I did my very first videos, I was really paravocated, procrastinated for nearly a year before I did that. And I think back now, oh, crikey, I lost one year's worth of exposure yeah. by faffing about. And I'm sure it's the same on the podcast side. So no, it wasn't difficult. It's the editing suite that I use, Corel, um, just ha has an audio button on there. Um, okay. So after you've edited the video, created that, so I let that render away in the background. And then after that's finished, I let it go back into it. And then you just click audio and it just strips the audio out into an MP4. Right. It's simple as that, it's, it's 30 seconds. I don't need to do anything more with it at all. Because the way I do the videos, it's um, it, it fits well for podcasts because it's not really clear that it's been taken from a video. I would agree with that because I've listened to the podcast content and there's no point at which I feel like I'm missing some visual content. Mm. So how conscious are you of making sure the content is suitable for listening only? Yeah, very aware. Um, in the video, I'll have graphics, but all the graphics do is just to break the attention span every minute or so I would just literally put a graphic up that repeats the words that I said or picture that represents what I said just to keep the attention going but at no point do I say look at this graphic here you can see this pie chart says so and so although this graph demonstrates what I'm talking about so I never say anything like that so you wouldn't really know probably at the end when I sign off and I say um, see you again uh, or look forward to be uh, something that would visually represent uh, a video as opposed to audio that's it yeah, yeah it's, I say that I say see you soon at the end of the mm. application it's yeah but no in, in terms of repositioning that that's just just conscious when talking just to make sure I don't make reference to anything but the ease in which to, to switch it over I was quite surprised at so it's just with the software I'm using click at the button the mp4 is created um, I then go through um, SoundCloud. Yes. Yeah. Um, again, probably there are different ways. I'm quite lazy is the first thing I found. Oh, SoundCloud, that works. Off you go. And I know there are different ways of doing it. But I found SoundCloud was quite easy. I upload it there. Then I opened an iTunes, iTunes account. Right. Yeah. Um, um, for my sins, I'm not an Apple person. So <laughs> that was a bit of a dark art to me as well. But I got that up and running. And then I go through Stitcher as well. Yeah, so there are okay. three yeah. different ways. That, but all channels through SoundCloud. Have you been picked up by Google now as well? Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. So yeah. accessible to anybody really now who's who can get podcast material. Yeah, perfect. That, that's right, yeah. Um, in my space, uh, it's quite unique. I still haven't come across anybody kind of doing what I'm doing. And what it's done, and it kind of reaffirmed why I did it, it's made me and the business noticeable. Yeah, right. There are you know, certainly people out there who... Uh, listen to the content, watch the video, certainly listen to the podcast, and it's got me conversations with people I wouldn't no normally have gotten in touch with. Okay. Um, so, yeah. It's also when I upload it onto Twitter, um, uh, LinkedIn as well, onto Facebook, you can just see the interactions. 
and it just gets that visibility and that's really what you want yeah absolutely it just keeps you front and center mm. of people's minds isn't yeah it? when you've got that content coming out all of the time mm. so is it still weekly that you're publishing yeah yeah and do you choose a particular day of the week um yes i started off doing it friday and releasing it on friday mornings uh, as at the end of the week and, yeah. and no real science behind this um so it would go out friday mornings and then I found it kind of impinged on my working week as well. Right. So I, I've now pushed it out. It goes out on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Okay. Now, I don't know whether that works. It's probably, probably isn't as effective because people aren't in that work mode. So there's a little bit of a trade-off. I don't know. And I'm sure there are people listening to this who will be able to tell me exactly to the minute and the hour, the yeah, ideal release. Yeah, that's interesting. But do you find that you drive people to listen to it using social media content and that sort of thing yeah it? yeah it goes on my website um and so it goes out then on linkedin both my personal page uh, the business loan services page both on facebook that way and twitter as well and obviously through youtube um so yeah so it's it's every week on a saturday morning mm-hmm. uh the consistency as i mentioned earlier is is probably key to it because it's weekly that that's what sort of yeah um and, what I found is that you know, if it's if you're to be noticeable in your space, you need to make sure that you are visible on a consistent basis. I think there are too many podcasts around that probably just variable in, in their times and they lose power that way. So what I did very uh, early on when I first started the YouTube version of it, um, I made a public commitment and statement to my uh, mailing list. Guys, in a week's time, I'm going to be doing this business finance bulletin. It's going to be going out every week. And I remember I had an email from somebody going, ha, I'd like to see you keep that up, Rob. And that kind of spurred me on. Right, I'm going to show him that I will do it. And so this consistency bit, uh, I didn't want to be one of those people who dropped off after episode four, five, or six. Yeah. So the way I do it, um, it's actually in my diary now. Every Thursday morning is when I record. Okay. So it's in there between 9 and 12 on a Thursday morning, physically in the diary. So if somebody rings up for an appointment, I can like quite, quite legitimately say, so I'm committed that to, on that morning, can yeah. we do the afternoon? Yeah. And nobody needs to know why I'm committed. That's the way that I've stuck to the schedule. It's an appointment with myself. That's really pragmatic, actually, and a great idea, a good tip for somebody who's trying mm. to create consistent content is just to have that time in the week when you know that you're going to get your head down and, mm. and get it done. Yeah, yeah that's brilliant. Yeah, because yeah. I really don't want to break that cycle because what is it now? Some, I mean, it's, as we record this, I think it'll be episode 246 will be the next yeah. one. Um, and that's just uh, other than uh, holidays and Christmas. It's, it, it's every And it's because I've made that commitment in the diary. Because you know with, with any task that you have, there's a bit of work behind. You will always find a reason not to do it. Always. <laughs> and the only way I can think, right, I must put it in the diary. And it's just now become part of my routine. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Mm. So I appreciate everything that you've said about being consistent with content. I think some people find it a real challenge to come up with fresh content every week. So mm. where do you get your ideas from? Yeah, It's amazing. When your antenna is up, content's around you everywhere. It's just a case of you're not looking for it previously, so you don't see it. But when you know that you're looking for material, suddenly you see it everywhere. The key, the key material that I that I use, I, I have a Google's alert, a Google alert for the key phrases that I want. Right. Small business finance, cash flow, raising money, uh, business loans, business finance. I got about ten key phrases that I put into into a Google alert. So every day I get ten emails from Google in the morning 
of all the content that they've picked up on news releases. Great. So I use that, but I also built up then uh, just a, a list of all the uh, press release sites. So okay. for all the major banks, all the lenders, because they're all pushing content out there in terms of press releases and surveys and stuff. So I now just have my own list. So every Thursday morning when I put this time aside, the first thing I'll do for the first hour or so is just scroll through those and pick out some key releases. Yeah, It's amazing. You know, I almost have too much content sometimes, so nice. it's a case of picking it down to three. Okay. So the whole content idea, people, again, will use that as an excuse not to do something. But you just get into a different mindset and you just see content everywhere once you know you're looking for it. Yeah, that's interesting. And when you're having to narrow it down then, how do you make that selection? What's your sort of decision-making process? It's just a case of, right, think of my target audience of business owners. Now, some of the press releases I got will be a bit too finance-heavy and they're really only appropriate for people in directly in the finance space. I see. So it's a case of looking at, right, which, which would have the largest appeal to the small business owner, because this is not a technical podcast it's on, on video, it's for small business owners. Right, okay, that's a great point, because you're demonstrating your expertise, but you're demonstrating it to potential clients rather than to other people who have your same level of expertise. Yeah, so... that's right. Yeah. Yeah, let's get, let's get on, not get away from this. This is a business promotion tool. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, the, the key reasons for doing it, yeah, it gets visibility, but it also gets people to understand that I know my market. Yes. And, and that really helps them because, yeah, they're seeing stuff for me coming from me every week. Oh, there's a, a Rob Business Finance. That three-second connection, Rob Business Finance, does its job. Yeah. But also then for people who listen, it can show them that I'm in, in charge of my marketplace. I know what's going on. And it's forced me in, in a good way to make sure I'm at the edge of what's going on out there. So it's definitely made me um, a more responsive business owner because I know exactly what's going on in the marketplace and where the lenders are. That's a really good point because I think when you are sharing information, you do have that sense of responsibility, don't you? That it's got to be right, mm. um, you know, because people are kind of relying on you for that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's good for people to know. And again, there's another reason for doing this as well is that people know that you've got a view on the world or, or what's going on out there. So I'll always put a little bit of a spin on it. Um, without, you know, as we were recording this, the dreaded B word is the the big thing going on at the moment. Yeah, you, you know, you've got to be careful. You're neither for nor against. It's not my. That's not my raison d'être of doing this. Um, but yeah, just keeping me appraised and having a view on what's going on as well, and that really helps. Yeah, that's true. So it's not just sort of repeating stuff that you're picking up from the headlines, mm. but it's actually putting mm. your perspective on that as well to mm. sort of help explain that. To, yeah, to yeah. Them. And it, it does get you noticed. I mean, I've been picked up um, because of this. I've, I've done stuff on BBC, on ITV, um, A, because they could see that I could, I'm comfortable on camera or in front of a microphone. Of course. And, and that's helped definitely on the media side. Yeah, that's brilliant and great credibility as well mm. to be picked up by major channels too. Yeah. So yeah, congratulations yeah. on that. Super, yeah. super. Mm. So apart from being noticed, um, what other benefits do you think the digital content has driven for you, in particular the podcasts? It's got it's got that expertise label. Yeah, uh, you could do all the traditional forms of marketing, but I think to be known as an expert in your field, that's what really gives you the edge. Yeah. Uh, it gives you that, that um, kind of status of authority okay. and, and it makes you much more credible in the, in the marketplace. That's what I, I found. It's given me that, uh, that kind of label. Uh, and that's important because um, it has given me that edge. 
Yeah, that's brilliant. Have you ever had any direct comments from clients or people who've approached you saying that they've picked up your content? Yeah, quite often. It's been a trigger point. Uh, you can just see a couple of a, a day or so after somebody will get in touch who hasn't been in touch for ages and they'll open I saw your saw your video, I heard your podcast over the weekend. And that's all it was is the trigger then for them. Oh, yes, yeah, Rob, business finance. That's, that's the trigger, yeah. That's a really good way of looking at it, actually. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like a an icebreaker in a way. It gives people something to talk to you about when they approach you. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Makes yeah. It, much more it, it, it does feel you know people feel as if I'm I'm there all the time. Yeah, you know, they, they do get to know you. Um, so it, it does break the ice in that way. Yeah. Do you feel like it helps you to develop better relationships with people? The fact that they've been listening to you for a mm, while. Yeah, because you can you can you can feel they almost get into the conversation straight away, without the kind yeah. of icebreaker generally. And you know, you know, you just feel as if they know know who you are and what you do. Yeah, and how important do you think that is, particularly in your line of business? Because I guess trust is quite an important factor. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so the kind of information that we. Have to extract from business owners both on their business and personal life as well yeah, yeah credibility and, and trust and integrity is is vital and yeah hearing or seeing my uh, my voice week in week out good for some probably bad for others <laughs> but yeah it, it makes you feel closer so i think that that's definitely helped yeah that's brilliant mm. yeah oh, fantastic so what would you say are the challenges about creating podcast content as I mentioned before, I'm a bit of a technophobe, mm-hmm. um, and I've been fe- finding and feeling my way around this as well. I suppose the biggest challenge is just getting started. I, I look back at the the very early videos, and I've done some longer podcasts as well, occasionally on some special content that I've done, just me talking about uh, writing business plans, for example, which is a longer piece. Um, I look back at some of the early ones, and I kind of cringe. Oh, really? Gosh, God. But I got started. And I think that's the key thing is to really just start it. Now, f- for me, my next big leap has got to be to do podcasting, what I would say, properly. Okay. Because at the moment, my bulletins, I, they're kind of sitting in a halfway house. The bulletin for YouTube, they're typically about five, six minutes. Yeah. That's almost too long for a, for a, for a video. Okay. Because people don't tend to sit that long and watch. Um but then on the other hand, when I've stripped the audio out for a podcast, five or six minutes is too short, I think. Yeah. yeah, It's fine. You know, people will listen to it. But um, my next thing is um, I need to up my game a little bit and do what we're doing now, have more interview-based ones to try and create some separate content, which is the more traditional 30, 30 35 minutes long. I can talk yeah. about stuff in more in-depth and also get people on to talk as well. I have to say, I really enjoy doing interviews, actually, because you learn such a lot from it personally, mm. as well as, you know, you can bring that content to your yeah. audience as well. But yeah. I'm conscious, certainly the longer podcasts I've done, which is just me talking about a particular topic, yeah, there's only so many, how, so long you can listen to one voice. Well, yeah, you've got yeah, to break it up. There is something to be said about that. That's true. And it's interesting you say that, um, you know, that seems like a long time for a video because it doesn't sound long, six minutes. But, mm. you know, I appreciate what you're saying. I know we, when I'm working in internal communications, we say much the same. Your sort of headline video should only be a couple of minutes long because not mm. that many people will sit passively in front of video information. But you can afford to pack a lot more into a podcast mm. because people will multitask while they're listening. So yeah. they don't feel like they're frozen sitting there waiting for the information to pass over. They can get on with commuting yes. or yeah. hanging out the washing or whatever it is they do yeah. um, and still consume that content. Yeah. So, you know, that makes it really yeah. portable and flexible. Yeah. And, yeah. So for me, you said that 
that that next bit is taking that leap now to, to get a more traditional podcast. Um, yeah, right. So again, follow my own advice and just just get started. Absolutely, yeah, get <laughs> and going. Again, I say about being a technophobe. Um, just some time researching around to make you realise it's not as complicated as people will probably make it out to be. And it's amazing. So I now do my own editing on the videos. Um, I don't outsource that. So I've learned that as I go along. Uh, could it be done more professionally? Probably, but it does the job. And I've learned about it and I enjoy doing it. Um, if I look at the time invested in terms of my hourly rate, an appalling rate of return, I shouldn't be doing it. I shouldn't be doing that, but I enjoy doing it. And also because it's it's relatively immediate. Okay, I'll record it on a Thursday, and that gives me a bit of time Thursday evening, so Friday to to end it all up. Um, so yeah, on the on the technical side, that shouldn't be a problem really. No, no, no. I mean, you're already creating audio content, and yeah, I mean, if you want to refine that, great. And, mm. You know, there's so much content and people out there who are willing to help you to find out how to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and certainly I've upgraded my podcasting setup um, quite a lot over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I started out literally just recording into the microphone mm. on my Mac. So mm. yeah. <laughs> you can do it in a really low-tech way. If yeah, you want to. yeah. I mean, I've got a, um, a Yeti, is it? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeti. The nice big chunky mics for the Lovely. ones that I have done in the past just on my own. Um, so I've got some of the basic kit there. So, so, yeah, that's kind of my next my next step. Oh, that would be amazing. Well, I look forward to seeing your mm. uh, your podcast series. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. So what advice would you give somebody else in your position of 2010 who's just set up their own business and mm. they're deliberating whether podcasting would be beneficial? What would you say to them? Yeah, just do it. If, if you've got a message to get out there, there's no better way than, than this route. They say it does get you noticed. It gets you in front of your potential future clients and gives you that chance to sell your expertise there and then. Um, so, it, it, and I say you can take, still take that content and reposition it as an ordinary blog. Uh, and before know it over time, you know, but once you've got your, the podcast material, your blog articles, in effect, you've got a mini book sat there as well. That's true. Yeah. So again, there's another way that you can reposition that same content to package it up, whether it's a simple ebook or a, or a traditional book as well. Is that something you've been thinking about, Rob? Yeah, I, I actually did one, did a book back in 2011, 2012. Oh, right. Again, as another part of my marketing. So I distilled my 30 years banking knowledge, uh, a book written for how to get a business loan, the kind of things that banks look for to help business owners be more finance ready. Um, so yeah, so I, I repositioned some of that content as the videos that I have, which then led into seminars, which then led into the videos and the podcasts. Yeah. So it all kind of links together. Yeah, one uh, thing leads to the other as well, yeah. doesn't it? As soon as you start doing one thing, you can see how another thing could actually mm. benefit that and it sort of snowballs, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, mm. I think that's, that's great advice. Thank mm. you. Mm. So, one thing I ask all my guests is, what does it mean to you to be a bigger fish? What does it mean to me to be a bigger fish? Um, for me, it, it, it is that thing about being that, that expert, that people know that I know my, my, my market. So for me, that's that's the big fish bit. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fish in my pond. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, there aren't many people that I've come across doing doing the uh, that type of bulletin, that type of material. Yeah, so for me, it's being known as, yeah, that guy knows what he's talking about. And that's yeah. what doing podcasts forces me to do in the research. I have to, um, to look in the market, what's going on, just helps me be top of my game. 
Perfect. That's a, that's a perfect way of looking at it. And, you know, I, I think you're right. I think you are quite a solo voice, actually, in the industry you're in, particularly locally. I haven't come across anybody else mm. um, who's, who's making that kind of podcast content, which is fantastic, you know, because exactly what you said, you are that three second shortcut when anybody you know, thinks about those sorts of issues because you're the person who's out there occupying mm. that space. So, mm. yeah, that's mm. perfect. Brilliant. Good stuff. So, Rob, if anybody wants to talk to you about those issues, where's the best place for them to get hold of you? Okay, um, you can look on our website, which is businessloanservices.co.uk. Um, my LinkedIn profile, Rob Warlow, that's W-A-R-L-O-W. I've also got a business loan services LinkedIn page and Facebook as well. And on Twitter, um, it's at biz, B-I-Z, loan services. Uh, business loan services was too long for Twitter, so I had to shorten it <laughs> yeah. down. Biz loan services, that's where you kind of find us. That's perfect. And I'll, I'll put that in the show notes so um, people can go there if they didn't manage to scribble that down quickly enough. So um, they'll be able to find you from there. So that's super. Well, I've really enjoyed speaking to you about this today. I think mm. your um, insight in terms of taking audio content off video content has been really helpful. Um, so thanks so much for sharing that. And I wish you all the best of luck with the, the longer podcast. I hope you manage to get that going soon and I look forward to hearing it. Good. Thanks very much. Thanks for the invite. Oh, pleasure. Thank you. I'd like to say another huge thank you to Rob, both for coming all the way out to the Peppermint Fish Studio and for taking the time to share that expertise with us. I think it was really insightful to find out how he moved from creating video to creating content he could repurpose into podcast content as well. And really interesting to hear that he'd like to get more into the podcasting and start creating longer episodes. I hope that's inspired you to think about taking up podcasting. And if you'd like to find out more about getting in touch with Rob or about creating a podcast, look up beabiggerfish.net where you'll find more information about that in our show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode or if you think it could help somebody you know, then we'd be delighted if you'd share it on your social media platform of choice. Or if you subscribe to us and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, that will help us to be found by other people too. I'm really grateful to you for listening. Thank you so much. Stay tuned to Be A Bigger Fish. We've got some really exciting episodes coming up for you. So I hope to see you soon.